0: Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track
1: by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track by track.
0: And this is the things that dreams are made of because on the turntable this week, we've got Dare by the Human League.
1: It's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's, it's Dare. dare. Uh, Gorillaz. Uh, but not them today, although we should do them at some point. Uh, we're finally talking about the Human League. Uh, only one of the greatest synth-pop acts of not just the 80s or the 90s, but all time. And I'm sorry if that's a bit too over the top,
0: Dan, but shoot me. No, I no, don't, don't, don't think... Don't shoot me. Don't I'll shoot me. Shoot you down, happily. Um, I don't think it's over the top at all. I can't believe it's taken us this long, three and a bit years... To, for our first human league episode but what an album we're kicking off with surely will again shoot me down if i'm saying too much surely one of the most pioneering synth pop albums and most important synth pop albums of all time
1: uh, dan i wouldn't dream of shooting you down i also wouldn't dream of shooting over you either oh good but it is, it's such a significant record and such a significant significant group and they fit right alongside uh, the track-by-track track alumni of the likes of Pet Shop Boys, Depeche Mode, Duran, Duran,
0: uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, And not only sitting beside them, but also have been such a major influence on all of those bands and so many more. So sitting on top of them as well as alongside them. Yes. Okay, ready. Let's do it. Or below them actually. Don't know who's on top of yeah. who.
1: Now Dan, we are we're kind of getting in uh, an early-ish but not early full stop point in Human League's back catalogue because this is the th- we're going to be talking about the third album today, aren't we?
0: Yes. So yes, there is the third album from the Human League, which followed Reproduction in 1979. And travelog in 1980. Dare was released in 1981. Will the reason we're talking about it this week is because it I'm turns? I'm listening. Are you? Yes. You wouldn't dare to ask me again. I know. Uh, it turns 40 this week, which is why we're talking about it. But as you said, uh, one of their first albums, one of their earliest albums, but also a very different lineup to the previous two, which featured uh, Martin Ware and Ian Craig Marsh who um, famously, there was a, a fallout with them and Philip Oakey, the three of them, formed Human League. Uh, they went off to form Heaven 17, another band we haven't talked about yet and we definitely will be talking about at some point on Track by Track. And so just to kind of delve a bit into the personnel on this band, Will, if I may. Uh, please do, Dan, because I know you're all over this, like a like a uh, dose of salts, <laughs> whatever that means. What does that actually mean? I've never heard of that one. Is that a real thing? Yeah. So... After the other two had left, Human League were just Philip Oakey and Philip Adrian Wright. Now Philip's role in the band, and um, that's not very clear. Philip Wright's uh, role in the band was more the visuals, so they were left with a singer uh, and someone looking after the visuals, but not really any uh, any significant musicians. And not not to play down Philip Oakey's role in the band but it was really uh, Martin and Ian that did a lot of the uh, synths and the songwriting on the previous records. So Philip Oakey, who's looking for some girls to join the band, he wanted uh, a different sound. He wanted uh, some different vocals in the band. So on a night out in Crazy Daisy Nightclub in Sheffield, which of course is where the band are from, he saw Susan Ann Sully and Joanne Catherall uh, who were dancing, and he said they just stood out the way they moved, the way they looked, their makeup, what they were wearing, they stood out and there and then he asked them to join the band they weren 't dancers they weren 't singers. Uh, they had tickets to see Human League a few weeks later in Doncaster well they were at least fans then <laughs> thank goodness they were fans, uh, so they joined the human League. Um, But also they did need more uh, musicians and songwriters and things like that. So alongside them on this lineup of the band, you also have Ian Burden, who had previously toured with them uh, on keyboards. You also have Joe Callis uh, of the rock band, the Razillos, who learned to play synths for this. And then on production, you've got Martin Rushent. Who had uh, worked with the Stranglers and Buzzcocks as well, and brought a lot to the sound of this album. So a whole new lineup, really, and a whole new sound for the band. And the rest, of course, is history. Not that that's the end of the episode.
1: Uh, and uh, we're out of time. Uh, we nearly are actually after that lengthy description.
0: There, Dan. It felt very important um, to, to lay out the story.
1: I mean, and my biggest question from your little uh, spiel there is, you know, the nightclub, the Crazy Daisy. Yeah. Is it part of a chain? Oh. oh. So, yes. Thank you, Dan. Uh, that Human League were formed in 1977. This third album is from 1981 and a lot has changed along the way. And as you alluded to, uh, this is a uh, a voyage on into a new sound for them. One which you could call new pop or
0: post-punk. Oh, or new post-punk pop.
1: Yes, something like that. Uh, But I guess a movement of moving away from rockier sounding music to something more uh, poppy, electronic, more commercial. And this is definitely the sound of this third album.
0: And, of course, that would be a sign of things to come as well, wouldn't it? They would stick with this poppier sound. Uh, I think you can still hear the influences from their earlier stuff, but they did become household names. They had number ones. Uh, They're still going now, of course, uh, and there's been some great music in between. There hasn't been an album since Credo, which came out 10 years ago, which I have to say I absolutely loved, and I, I hope we do get another Human League album one day.
1: I really hope so. I think it still feels like they're not done yet.
0: No, there's lots of touring. Um, They're touring this album for the 40th anniversary. But yeah, I I want new music from them because they've written some of of the best pop songs and synth pop songs of all time.
1: And I first got into the Human League uh, as a teenager when they came back with Tell Me When.
0: Yeah, that did feel like a bit of a... They never went away, did they? But it did feel like a kind of return to return to the charts
1: but it was huge a huge hit. hit huge hit and actually What man in my heart was phenomenal as well love that what about really human lovely. are we human <laughs> are we don't di- yeah i like that one as well
0: yeah.
1: not them <laughs> so we're talking about dare today which is the third studio album dan why are we talking about this album today oh have a guess because it's no put me out of my misery
0: dan i've been wondering about this all day and i'm none the wiser at the moment i'll happily put you out of your misery i'll just give the vet a quick call <laughs> um it turns 40 this week
1: ah that's brand new information thank you no, you're welcome so shall we get stuck in yes well let's do it side one track one and um, we're starting off we're starting off high and anyway, we're just going up from here, Dan. This is the things that dreams are made of. Without- dreams are made of there this completely unapologetically sets the stall out for this album and i know i've not said that for a while but i just think it's so true here this totally catchy accessible synth pop uh which doesn't over egg the poppiness which still is so electronic and so of the moment back then but at the same time just absolutely phenomenal those synths get me right in the stomach
0: yeah completely agree and as well I like how it slowly builds as well you've you've got a real sparseness to the verses with the synths Uh, and then they almost you can almost hear them winding up and whirling up to build to that chorus Um, yeah it's just a phenomenal song a great opening track I kind of like as well that Joanne and Susan they're not too prominent in this one. It's almost like they're easing the listeners in because apparently there was some animosity from some of the fans of the early work. They didn't like these, this new sound of the band. They didn't like the girl singers in the band. Um I mean, really, you know, two fingers to them because they were wrong. But also it's kind of it's not shoving it in the faces. It's saying, you know, they're here, but we're going to we're going to slowly, slowly introduce you to them.
1: I love the fact you can just hear every single sinew uh, and production uh, flourish in this track. Everything is out there, and you. I just. I get. I get lost when I listen to this track. It's just gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous.
0: It really is. And of course, lyrically. Lyrically, uh, this one is fantastic. It talks about taking joy in in the simple things in life, but also being ambitious as well. Which uh, some people think is kind of the the band taking joy in their success so far but also having ambition to do more with this album uh the line that i absolutely love that i think is one of the most iconic lines in the song is new york ice cream tv travel good times norman wisdom johnny joey dd good times great list
1: it's almost as good a list as like of the like that madonna would do
0: oh yeah or the pet shop or the pet shop boys would
1: do yep Or I do enjoy lists in songs. Have we talked about that
0: before? I'm sure we have. I think we might have done. I love a list. And I'll tell you who likes a list and who's a big fan of Human League and was massively influenced by them. Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran.
1: Ah, yes. Uh, He likes lists, uh, new wave music and uh, home improvements. Nick Knowles, are you thinking of? (laughs) Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Now, this is interesting, and we are going to loop back to this at the towards the end of the episode with some further listening. But this was released as a single many years after the band uh, released this album uh, and not directly by uh, Human League themselves.
0: Uh, but more about that later. What <laughs> was that? Irish? I'm not sure. Hmm. Of course, it was also released in a f- different form, as a single by Richard X, who another, uh, someone who we're huge fans of and someone who's massively influenced by the Human League. He used the instrumentalization of this one uh, and mixed it up with the SOS bands, the finest to create finest streams with Khalees from his uh, X Factor Volume 1 album. And of course, not the only Human League track on there because Being Boiled formed the basis of Being Nobody with Liberty X.
1: Richard, for god's sake when are you coming on track by track if ever there was a a collaboration that
0: should be happening it's the three of us coming together i would i was gonna say i'd pay to see that but i'll be there Mm. i'd still pay for it to happen
1: please please we haven't re-recorded any of our older episodes yet but i think we would happily have a read a re-rub on uh the richard x um episode definitely richard
0: expressed an interest in joining us and this one was written by the phillips philip okey and philip adrian wright philip schofield and philip may (laughs) theresa's husband
1: (laughs) love to see what they came up with track number two now and this is not a cover of the m people hit Hmm. or the madonna song open your heart
2: Late, try to be late.
1: gang together for the first time singing in harmony and in unison for open your heart which is an optimistic uh track uh which is absolutely lovely
0: yeah it is a soaring chorus on that one but i like that there's a bit of an odd structure to it as well the way it just comes in with those opening lines from phil he is kind of projecting those and it feels like you're already in the story it feels like you're well into it. it almost feels like that's the middle eight right there, but it's right at the start of the song. Um, but of course it doesn't go downhill from there because it's just a fantastic structure throughout. There's little breaks, like you said, a little bit fluty. Um and again, yeah, you've got Susan and Joanne there more prominent than they have been, uh than in any of the previous singles that came from the album.
1: Uh and this was the third song to be released from the album, came out just before the album itself and got to number six in the singles chart. Dan, do your business.
0: So yeah, this was uh, October 81 when it charted and entered the chart at number 21 and then jumped up to number six where it stayed for a couple of weeks. It was the highest new entry when it charted at number 21. So already an incredible feat for the new version of Human League. Um, And number one at the time was uh, Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants. What uh, what a great time for the
1: charts to have that number one and this in the
0: charts as well. I'm sure there were some other doozies in there. Oh, yeah, some incredible stuff. In between uh, Human League at 21 and Prince Charming at number one, you had Japan with Quiet Life. You had the Pointer Sisters with Slow Hand. Soft Cell with Tainted Love. Depeche Mode just can't get enough. Uh, Madness with Shut Up. And Tweets with the Birdie Song at number two that week.
1: Watering, and you, your just like you dirty your mom. sod. Oh
0: When are we doing tweets on track by track?
1: what were there other songs apart from the birdie song? I'm sure you don't know the answer to that, and I'm sure it's not relevant to what we're
0: talking about today, uh, I doubt there's anything there. Nothing there. That's like your head. <laughs> That's quite rude, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Good! And Open Your Heart was written by Joe Callis and Philip Oakey, Phil Oakey to his friends. As we said before, Joe Callis, he was a new member to the band. This was the first uh, single cover that he appeared on. And previously, he had been uh, in Rocky outfits. So he, uh, when co-writing the song, he wrote it on guitar uh, and then translated it to synths uh, with the drum machine as well. And this one was labeled on the single as Blue because at the time uh a bit human... rude well that's what i'd think of if i saw it but uh they labeled their singles red or blue uh, and in their own words red ones were for the posers so for the spandy or spando ballet types and uh blue were for the abba fans so a bit bit poppy ah. maybe i'm an abba fan you're an abba fan are you a fan of this one as well
1: uh yes i am a big fan of this one oh thank um... goodness. Well, I think it's going to be one of those
0: weeks, Dan, where we may struggle for you know what. I think we will, and it's a sh- well, it's not a shame at all. It's a good thing, but some great artwork to talk about.
1: Well, I'm sure we'll squeeze it in there as well. Track three now, and this is the sound of the crowd.
2: Find the
1: So that was the sound of the crowd there. And I would reckon that that would be more of a red release if it was
0: released as a single. You, It was. And you're absolutely right, Will. It was a red. Oh! <laughs> <laughs>
1: hurrah, hurrah.
0: And actually, I've meant to say before, when they did a tour a few years ago, uh, they did a red tour. So they just played all the red songs or the songs that they were deemed to be red songs, I should say.
1: I do like that idea of making it really easy for for music fans. Uh, Because obviously their fans would love everything. But for music fans who would maybe be a bit more casual, maybe we should do it with track-by-track episodes. Oh, red and... Uh, Blue for the ones that have the really filthy jokes left in. And red, which are much more about the music. Oh, they'd all be blue, Yeah, (laughs) They'll be blue, actually. Bit of blue for dads. Yeah. Or or mums, or mums, actually, because there are some absolutely
0: filthy mothers. Yours. (laughs) You beat me to it there. (laughs) So this one, I mean, I could say this with every song on this album. I love this one, but I think the immediacy of this from Mm. those opening synths and that kind of programmed beat and the bass definitely feels more robotic, maybe a little bit more in common uh, with the earlier sound. And that would... Makes sense as well because this was the first uh, release, wasn't it, of this lineup or something very similar to this lineup of the band? Yes, Dan, you're quite right. This got to number twelve at its peak in the charts, but quite a chart journey. It entered at number fifty three in uh, in April eighty one. Number one that week will was Books Fizz with Making Your Mind Up.
1: Ah, oh, lovely. I uh, just feel like ripping my ripping my shorts off.
0: Do you mind if you don't? <laughs> um and only a couple of new entries ahead of them that week. Thin Lizzie with The Killer's Live EP, Sheena Easton with When He Shines, and Shakin' Stevens with You Drive Me Crazy. Oh, is that did Britney cover that?
1: Yeah, didn't you know that? Oh, pop pop fact. I didn't Alternative know that. pop fact.
0: I feel Claire. quite silly now.
1: Alternative facts. I
0: lie. <laughs> And you're
1: right, Dan, I love the the kind of... It's got quite a progressive marching pace to it as well. And I just love the fact that, you know, we're very much in a synth-pop electronic music space, but actually all the tracks so far all sound very different from each other as well. And that's just great creativity because, you know, I think something levelled at dance music, electronic music can often be... They All sound the same, you cannot say that about humanly, you cannot say that about Pet Shop Boys, you cannot say that about Duran Duran, etc.,
0: etc., 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 and agree, agree, agree. This one, another different uh writing group behind this one, as we've had with every track so far. So, this was Ian Burden and Philip Oakey. Ian, uh, was of course the keyboard player who had been with them uh, on tour before becoming part of the band and stayed with them until 87. But what's really interesting about this one is the lyrics, w- lots of very weird lines, things like make a shroud pulling combs through a backwash frame and struck a pocket with a print of a laughing sound. And Ian said about this that he had just put in these random streams of consciousness um, to fill the space for the, for Phil Oki to then uh, go and write the song around and he kept it in. And, Will, we mentioned gorillas earlier in the episode. They actually sampled this song on their track Ghost Train. Do you remember Ghost Train on Saturday mornings? No. Before my time, probably. Oh, you weren't allowed to watch ITV, were you? No. Mum thought they had an agenda. Uh, okay, track four now. This is Darkness. <laughs> I believe in a thing God love. <laughs> Just <in> a <laughs>
1: Sorry, uh, unfortunately for Danny, he had to put that with my moans as we were listening to that because there's just some wonderful synth work uh, in the kind of post chorus pre second
0: verse there. Lovely synth, lovely, just lovely. Some lovely chords. Will I don't we don't talk about chords? I'm not talking about anyone's trousers in the band. I very much doubt Human League were wearing chords in the 80s.
1: No, but I know what you mean, and the chord progression in mm. that is just lovely. Because it does start off a lot slower, a lot more low played and quite dark, actually, and grimy, a bit gritty. But then the synth comes in, puts a lovely melancholy uh, twist on it. Uh, really nice, Dan. I mean, I just we're going to be blowing smoke up of all of Human League uh, this episode. But
0: again, a really lovely one. It is. And of course, this is... I was going to say, it's the first non-single we've come to, but of course, um, the things that dreams are made of, not originally a single, but it definitely, it for me, feels like an album track in the best possible way. Feels a little bit more experimental than some of those first ones. Feels more dramatic, more brooding, as you said. The bit I particularly like is there's a, a bit of a breakdown in the middle and then Phil sings, don't turn out the light or I'll go over the edge. It kind of feels like lyrically... Lyrically... This is someone struggling with their inner demons. Uh, they don't want to be put in the dark or left in the dark. And I feel like for 40 years ago, for a man to be singing that wasn't as common or wasn't as easy for them mm. to to talk about. It's, I feel like kind of really getting into the song today, really lo- looking at the lyrics. It does feel quite uh, progressive. That's,
1: oh, do you know what? It's a great insight, Dan, and quite a bit more deeper than we often care to go on track by track. So mm. well done,
2: nice.
1: but I know I can I can see exactly what what you mean. Um, also, um, isn't this point on a recording kind of midway through the album where you often have a breakdown as well?
0: Yeah, try and keep it off uh, off air though. It's going to be things flying around all over the room.
1: Well, more of a hissy fit than a breakdown, isn't it? Well, if yeah. you
0: were a child, you would be stamping your feet up
1: and down, uh, and calling, calling for your daddy.
0: Still do Hello that Daddy. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and this one will was written by Joe Callis on the synths, and also Philip Wright. So this is the only track so far, and I think actually the only original song on the album where Phil is not involved. Phil Oakey, sorry, is not involved in the writing. But I don't think there's a a, a massive difference in the song. If you know, like we said before, it's a bit of a darker song. It's obviously called Darkness as well. But it's, it fits the album still perfectly.
1: Mm, absolutely. And I think it's a lovely
0: point to bring things down a little bit um,
1: as we kind of hit the middle middle point of this
0: album. In fact, I think one of the most interesting things about this one is I I can't really hear Joanne and Susan Oh, well, I turned the
1: volume one. up. Oh, sorry. You just
0: paused before before that. <laughs> Are they there, Will? Are they in the background? Or is maybe, maybe uh, just, just for Phil, this one.
1: Uh, I think it's just, just, just for Phil.
0: Which means when they do this, the album live, and again, it's going to be great to hear songs like this that might not always get to be heard live, uh, they might be able to have a little cup of tea. Uh, they nip out the back for a fag behind the bins. Oh, I'd love I Imagine just walking past and there they are. Yeah, right. Have you seen them live yet, Will? I haven't seen them live, no. Oh, well, hopefully we'll be there on the Dare 40 tour. I've been lucky to see them uh, a couple of times. And yeah, as you can imagine, it's such a phenomenal show with this in their arsenal and so much more how could it not be (laughs) yes arsenal
1: (laughs) track number five now and this is do or die
0: So do or die there. I have to say, well, for me, this is one of one of my favorite songs at the moment from the album. I think because it's one that I've not really heard so much if I've just been listening to the hits or things like that. Uh, but also one of the, the tracks that sounds so different, so unexpected for the human league. It must have really sounded like that for people who heard this album for the first time in 1981. So peppy, isn't it?
1: I effing love it, Dan. Sorry for the language. Well, of course. Uh, but it's, it's the most electronic so far on this album, and I love it. It's a great way to end side one, or A, whatever your preference is. Uh, but I also, there is, um, I've got a bit of an obscure one here, but uh, this reminds me of, and I don't know if we've talked about them, probably when we talked about hurts, but it reminds me a little bit of the vibe that we are performance who later became just performance uh who had a very short-lived uh chart career but it's that manchester based band uh which you all like dan if you haven't heard them but it's just the combination of the male female electronic uh driven pop much more up-to-date band. so we're talking like late 90s early 2000s for them no no i guess we're talking early 2000s for them uh, but if you wanted a sort of future uh, throw forward of what the human league would might be like now, they're a great band to,
0: to look into. Well, interestingly, I was with this one. I was thinking it really made me think of because I think there's a bit of Scar in this one. I think there's maybe a bit of Samba. There's more of a dance flavour, and I was thinking of who it reminded me of because it did make me think of probably that time, early two thousands. I was thinking maybe like Ordinary Boys or some of the. The songs they did with others uh, kaiser chiefs maybe but it definitely feels like this particular song influenced a whole generation again early 2000s sort of time and you said it's the end of side a wheel, but what i love about this is the lengthy instrumental part of this song it just goes on and on and on as you and i love but it's so playful and kind of really showcases synth sounds because again there's so much variety in here of synths so obviously back then 40 years ago they were more limited than we are now with the sounds they can create but they really throw everything in here and get a lot out of it and this one was written by philip okey uh with ian burden will i am really looking forward to this one on the tour i think if we go together which hopefully we will we're gonna lose ourselves dancing to this one
1: we're gonna lose our shit big time
0: mm.
1: oh. oh let's turn let's turn the record over now so you can hear playing uh underneath us now uh track six which is a, which is a short one get carter instrumental I, I i would even call it an interlude Dan, more than a more than a sixth track
0: yeah definitely an interlude uh it's get carter it is of course uh part of the theme from the film get carter uh written by roy budd Um, but I think it fits it well it kind of it nicely sees into the next track but what I like about this is it's kind of a nod to their former selves to the early Human League sound and that more uh, experimental avant-garde sci-fi influenced sound
1: and that brings us nicely into track 7 which is Dan what you said after you got into that barroom brawl when that man knocked over your Harvey Wallbanger (laughs) I am the Lord
2: You know I am no stranger I know rules are a bore But just to keep you from danger I am the law You know I am no stranger I know
1: rules are a bore But just to keep you from danger I am the law Oh! just so bloody good aren't they (laughs) this album isn't putting a foot wrong and i was just staring at the screen whilst that was playing uh i could have been in on some kind of like 80s sci-fi movie uh tip there with like a deserted spaceship floating through space uh with just a couple of solitary uh human beings wandering around on board It's just, it's quite haunting. And some of the noises and sounds in there are
0: so good. Oh, anyway, get the wet floor sign out already. Get that mop and bucket. But I completely agree. It's very, this is quite different, again, to the other things on here because it is so stripped back, but synth heavy. So narrative as well. Uh, Phil Oakey on this one, who wrote this with uh, Philip Wright, obviously taking on the persona of a policeman or someone in authority uh but maybe so yeah maybe it's a,
1: a police officer from the future wandering around a deserted prison colony spaceship oh, as no. it floats uh, without engines because the engines have been blown off uh, floats through space through the infinite void of nothing
0: well done that's lovely
1: That's one of of your dreams, isn't it, Dan, to get blown off in space? (laughs) How did the gravity work?
0: I've done the the Mile High Club. Now I want to do the uh, Lightyear High Club. Sorry, Dan, what were you going to say? I was just going to mention, have you been watching Foundation on Apple TV Plus? No, not yet. Any good? Fantastic, I have to say. really getting stuck into that. Have you watched The White Lotus yet? No, stop banging
1: on about it. Oh, so Just watch it already. Track eight now, and this is Seconds. What you often have more of.
0: <laughs> How long you last? Oh, Thanks. quite catty. <laughs> Good for us, actually. Or what your mother is in the nightclub. It took seconds of your time to take his life. Seconds of your time.
2: Second.
0: A second. So, seconds there. <laughs> this is the first track on the album written by more than just two contributors. This one is by Joe Callis, Philip Oki, and Philip Wright. I don't know if it's Philip Wright or Philip Adrian Wright. I'm going to say Adrian, actually. I don't want to keep his middle name out if he wants it there. Um, and this one, lyrically. Lyrically. Oh, again, I've done it too many times. Too many, actually, this episode. Yeah. Uh, this is about the JFK assassination. I think th- this is uh, a little bit more rare for for Human League to be singing about a specific moment, a specific story. But I love how they do it. I find this, listen to this, really emotional, actually. They
1: just, not just on this album, but they have—they're really good at tugging at your heartstrings in an electronic way, which actually is bang on the money for us. Absolutely,
0: and there's something about this one as well, which I think is part of what you're saying. It feels like a real anthem. It feels like the structure of the song is something like mm. something you too would go on to create, or something like that, uh, or even uh, the Lebanon from Human League from a, an album or so later. Uh, which of course another you know one more based on fact than fiction um but yeah i think it's incredible one of the things i really like about it will the sound effects that are thrown into it it is an
1: it is anthemic again
0: great point
1: sorry i'm just giving you too much praise this week Um, it's more actually for the human league not for you just to be clear (laughs) i think it's just misdirected uh but you're right there's some great sounds that synth and the way it goes up uh sort of two thirds of the way through the track is brilliant is there going to be anything on this album we don't like actually no cuz looking at the last two tracks definitely not that's not going to happen <laughs> no oh uh,
0: yeah but this one as well what i love about it is it tells a story in the first couple of verses and then it's just that repetition of it took seconds of your time to take his life. It took seconds. And that just goes round and round and round. And it's almost like they really want to hammer this point home that something that was a worldwide event that, you know, will never be forgotten in history. It took one person just seconds to make to make that happen, I suppose. Mm. It's almost like questioning it or, you know, just trying to believe it. It is just that reminder, reminder over and over again for us. And I have, we are are repeating ourselves a bit today, but another one that I just can't wait to hear this one live. And this is going to be so phenomenal being played live by the band. It's going to be a moment. There might be some tears. Oh, you or Philip? You. Oh, me.
1: So track number nine now, a real change of pace. And this is Love Action. I Believe
2: in Love. (laughs)
1: Action there, I believe in love, uh, an iconic sound of the 80s. I think you'll agree, Dan, and probably most of you listening if you're big fans of synth pop from the 80s and beyond. This, uh, this is a brilliant. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, I'm running out of superlatives <laughs> here, uh, uh, but I love everything about this track and i've just it's one of those songs that you just never tire of hearing whenever it pops up on whatever whether it's heart or radio 2 or wherever you listen to it or on a playlist just still gets my feet tapping
0: yeah it's hard to say what i don't i don't think i could possibly choose uh, a favorite track on the album because they the singles and the album tracks all just phenomenal we knew this was going to be a big episode we've been excited to talk about this one and yeah it's just i hope you weren't looking for a very critical uh rundown of dare this week because it is all praise and for good reason but this is a phenomenal song in general for me will always reminds me of uh grand theft auto vice city because this used to play on one of the radio stations um I forget which one. It was alongside things like uh, Flock of Seagulls, uh, I Ran, uh, I think was maybe some Duran Duran in there as well. But I would actually just drive around. When I was playing the game, I'd just drive around and listen to these songs. You can actually get, I think you can get the uh, the playlists on streaming services.
1: And also it was uh, used very memorably, firstly by Utah Saints in uh, I Believe in You, oh no, sorry, in Believe in Me, that was kind of a an note, <laughs> and in George Michael's Shoot the Dog. He didn't. Uh, that was the song, which was very, um, quite impactful, that song at the time as well. But I'm way ahead because this was uh, a release as well alongside Hard Times, uh, which did phenomenally
0: well. And it got to number three in the UK singles chart. Yeah, so this was their first top 10 hit, which is an incredible feat. It entered the charts at number 29 in august of 81 and was the highest new entry of that week before climbing up uh number one that week will shaking stevens with green door we can't shake shaking stevens off this episode um but he was very prominent at the time but in a very different way he was and again we'll just to talk about some of the other incredible stuff in the charts at that time duran duran with girls on film uh, spandau ballet with chant number one abba with lay all your love on me so much So much good stuff that that week.
1: Abba songs are so infectious. You only have to say the song title and you just immediately get that in your head, don't you? Yeah. So you must like the blue singles. Oh, nice throwback. Bloody hell, Dan. We should quickly record
0: some more episodes after this one just to get (laughs) you at your best. Well, this was a red one, actually, Will. So something's gone wrong there.
1: Ah, Contradictions.
0: And a fragrance by track by track oh, oh what a great idea put a pin in that. and this is dan talking just to say i love the line this is phil talking which was apparently inspired by iggy pop doing something similar before good uh lots of uh, on the synths world. so many more uh sci-fi sounds in this one i think as well just from that intro and that and just builds up to the again peppy poppy song that it becomes now,
1: track number 10 now, the last track on the album proper. No petering out at all. Perfect. We are finishing up with a track that, at time of recording, has over 276 million streams on Spotify. Don't You Want Me? Don't,
2: no. Don't you want me? You know I can't believe it when I hear that you won't see me.
0: Don't You Want Me There, obviously, probably Human League's most known song, but also one of the most known songs of the 80s, one of the most known synth pop songs ever, one of the most known pop songs ever, Will? Well, I think so,
1: Dan. And and actually, to back up that, this was the best-selling single of 1981 in the UK. It's the 23rd most successful uh, single in UK chart history, uh, and it was not only number one in the UK, but it was number one in the US as well. So how's about that? How do you like them onions?
0: I mean, that's apples, just huge, isn't it? It's yeah. phenomenal and for good reason.
1: This is just, uh, it's an 80s anthem. It's got some of the best, most memorable lyrics in it as well. Uh, and it's quite autobiographical of your own life, Dan. <laughs> Someone not wanting me. No, when you were working as a waiter in that cocktail bar.
2: Oh, yeah. When we
0: first met. Yeah. Oh, it's the story of Track by Track, isn't it, really? What was the name of that cocktail bar called? Hooters. Thrush. Oh. <laughs> thrush. No, it, it was called Rush. Someone had painted a TH before it. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody kids.
1: <laughs>
0: and actually,
1: one of the cocktails I drank on that no- night did uh, give me some of the symptoms of
0: thrush. Oh, we didn't clean the glasses such as, properly. Such as how cheap you... I think you used Glenn's vodka there. Oh, no. Well, no. We, we, didn't, we didn't have that much money. Just normally... with uh, basics. And used to fill up... Top up the pints with the drip trays. With so the slops. Well, that's what you got afterwards Slop. anyway. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, This is Christmas number one as well in 1981. So not only a huge song, also a Christmas song. Yeah, so this one entered the charts um, in the first week of December 81 at number nine, climbed up to become Christmas number one. Uh, Just, yeah, quite clear. It's quite clear. It's quite obvious why it is their biggest hit. But did you know, Will, that the reason it is uh, the last song on the album is because Phil Oakey was not a fan of the song. He didn't particularly want it on the album and he certainly didn't want it released as a single.
1: Well, I bet his uh, platinum uh, credit card uh, and uh, Black
0: Nando's card speaks uh, volumes for that name. Absolutely. Because this was released as a single not that long after Open Your Heart, really, which was, again, a huge hit. But the record company, uh, the album went to number one and the record company wanted to kind of ride on that success. Again, it was the fourth single from the album as well, but still this huge smash hit.
1: And not only was it a smash hit in the UK and the US, but also across all of Europe as well. Um, it, in the UK, it sold, specifically sold, over one and a half million copies as well. So it really did strike a chord. Uh, also covered a number of times, most notably Alcazar and The Farm. And model turned pop star Mandy
0: Smith as well. No. And this one was written by uh, Collins, Oki, and Wright. Again, at this point, will I have to also mention another name we haven't said yet? Dave Allen, who was the uh, did assistant programming and engineering on the album, working with the producer Martin Rushent. Or Rushent. Uh, it can't be undermined how much they put into this album with the band. They did. They brought a lot of those new synth sounds. Uh, they did a lot of the uh, work to create there and what it is and what we love today. Also, though, this song, you know, like you, like everyone listening to this this episode, I've heard this song God knows how many times every single disco I go to, every single 80s night on the radio for good reason. But listening to it for this episode, I kind of really just listened to it and nothing else. And the synths in this are so clever and so strange and they kind of stop and start and clash and layer and... You know, normally, I think when you hear this song, you just know the lyrics and the chorus and you sing it out loud. But it's such a clever song. Um, I think it's a musical masterpiece and we kind of forget about the musicality of this one.
1: And I actually love the fact that it's the last track on the album because it just ends just with a real bang as this album befits. And if you haven't, if you're listening to this episode uh, to dip your toe into the human league for the first time, I guarantee you, listen to this album from beginning to end, you will give yourself 40 minutes of pleasure, uh, guaranteed. And that's a track-by-track track guarantee. And a word on the album and how it did and how it was received. And it gives me great pleasure to back up our praise for this album, to say it was universally acclaimed and had five-star rating from Q magazine and the likes of Melody Maker, Enemy, Smash Hits, some of the huge players uh, at the time were queuing up to give it, uh, to give it praise, and using such superlatives as intoxicating, uh, as uh, memorable melodies, style, uh, uh, elegant, uh, just a masterpiece all over, really. And it kind of feels like we agree; we're aligned. I
0: think yeah, we are definitely aligned on that one. Yeah. Some weeks he- we do disagree with the critics, and would happily do so. Definitely stuck-up buggers.
1: Mm. So, further listening... No.
0: Album artwork.
1: Oh, sh- I shoot! I love when
0: this happens. Not because oh. I like to see you fail, but just because it just shows what an amazing album we've just spoken about.
1: <laughs> yes! Uh, honestly. So, yes. So, let's talk about the album artwork. Uh, just on of its own accord, uh, without even needing to... This is, it's an iconic album cover. It is uh, Human League, There, two different but very good fonts. And then you've got a kind of window with Phil Oakey's face.
0: And if you opened up the gatefold uh, of the album, you would also have two little windows with Susan and Joanne in there as well. Apparently the album cover was inspired or Phil Oakey wanted it to look like an edition of Vogue. Or something like that which i think you definitely get with this um but the reason they did these close-up images is because they thought the hairstyles might age it uh so they wanted to keep it just the faces uh obviously phil's hairstyle at the time was that kind of lopsided uh cut that he had so um i don't think that would have aged it i've got that hairstyle right now you say lopsided as- i say asymmetric oh let's, let's call, call the, the whole, whole thing, thing off, off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that was a magic moment. Um, So let's talk about further listening now. And we're exploring remixes, uh, B-sides, etc. from this era, because we're definitely going to be talking about Human League again on Track by Track.
0: That's for sure.
1: Dan, I'd love for you to go first.
0: So just less than a year after Dare was released, Love and Dancing was released, which is a remix album uh, credited to the league unlimited orchestra which was a nod to barry white's love unlimited orchestra actually who we saw at glastonbury a couple of years ago uh but that's by the by um there were remixes and dubs and different versions of this song but there was also one of the b-sides on there which was hard times So Hard Times there. Yeah, this was the B-side to Love Action, I Believe in Love, and then opened up Love and Dancing. I just think this offers a little bit of more of a uh, vintage synth sound. It's also a little bit more stripped. You get to hear the bass a lot more in this one. Just a little bit more playful than what we've had from the kind of really strong, well-structured Dare album.
1: I like it. I love, is it an accordion? I mean, electric keyboard. But for something that's talking
0: about hard times, it's very jaunty. A jaunty hard time. And Will, what have you gone for?
1: I have gone for, we mentioned it earlier, but the things that Dreams are made of that was released in 2007 as a single, uh, not by the Human League themselves, but by the record label Hooge. Uh, there were a number of up-to-date remixes from the likes of Kissy Sellout and Tiger. but I'm going with the Richard Stone remix. And you can take your pick from a radio edit, a dub and a club mix, uh, so here's a little bit of the things that dreams are made of. Oh, boy, Richard Stone's dream. And fall
2: in love without the pain. Everybody needs love and adventure. Everybody needs cash to spend. Everybody needs love and affection. Everybody needs two or three friends. the remix of Richard stone there
1: this coincided with the 30th anniversary of the human league Uh, although was they did not have a part in releasing it but i'm glad they did this remix though what a banging uh dance interpretation for the dance floors of the noughties
0: yeah i i really do like this i think it it just brings it up to date Uh, i mean you could have put this on uh, in any club i think and people would lose themselves to it the original version i mean but then this just takes it to the next level
1: it did chart in some form in the u k dance charts, and it did receive club and radio play
0: as well: quite right, too and Richard Stone uh, didn't stop there but, uh, with remixing eighties legends. He also did a remix of visages never enough visage or visage uh, we haven't done them either yet on track by track. will I think we definitely definitely need to.
1: we need uh we need a bit of visage fade to gray ah. Oh. 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 We'll be losing our shit all over again for that. But we're, we're out, of, out time. of time. So we hope you've enjoyed our first experience of the Human League. I think you can tell, uh, if you've listened to this episode, through how much we've enjoyed this episode and this album. And we are looking forward to coming back to the Human League again.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let us know which album of theirs you'd like us to do next. Would you like us to bring it almost up to date with credo or would you like us to go even further back to travel log and before do let us know on the socials at track by track uk and if you have a moment do give us a rating and a review please
1: over on apple podcasts
0: and don't forget if you want even more from track by track you can join us on patreon where you can get weekly episodes exclusive series the option to vote for episodes at early access to new album episodes with the artists themselves and so much more. So we look forward to seeing you over on Patreon. Thank you for everyone who's
1: already joined us for supporting the podcast and enabling us to do even more with Track by Track over there. So until next time. I've been the law. And I've been the things that dreams are made of. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm,
1: anyway, that's not for the podcast. Quite creepy. It's just just for us. Just so Special. just just between us okay i don't really like secrets Secret. secrets okay not for me <laughs> and dan i don't think i would tell you any of my secrets anyway because i know you just wouldn't keep them
0: no not at all i'd set up a some sort of alt twitter account another alt twitter account actually uh to share them. how many have you got now a couple two or three <laughs>